Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Rant, a little double dip action tonight. Um, so if you haven't checked out my last or latest episode, episode 103, you go ahead and do that. That's recapping the Super Bowl bets that I made, a little bit of my overall interpretation of what goes on, but I actually want to do an, a full recap episode. So this episode is going to be the whole Super Bowl, my thoughts, what went right, went went wrong who I thought um, played the best game, who I thought maybe deserved Super Bowl MVP. All that stuff's going to come at you in this episode. Uh, but my last episode talking more about the bets, some Hall of Fame stuff as well. So go check that one out. It's a great episode. Uh, pretty much, spoiler, if you haven't listened to that episode um, and uh, you want to know what it's about, it's pretty much me gloating that I batted a 1,000 on my Super Bowl bets. So go ahead and uh, give that one a listen. Anyway, Going into tonight's episode, uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to um, uh, Jagoff Sports. It is a sports blog website. Go ahead and check them at, uh, out at, wow, it was like really Pittsburghy. Check them out at uh, jagoffsports.com. I will be um, putting some more of my content up on their website as well. So we've kind of done a new partnership type thing that's going to happen in the near future, but I'm uh, going to post that stuff. It, obviously, if you don't know what Jagoff Sports is, it is a sports blog based primi- primarily on Pittsburgh sports. I know I'm from Pittsburgh, born and raised. Everyone over there, obviously, is very Pittsburgh heavy. So if you're into that sort of thing, um, they also do some other articles as well. Go ahead and give them a look because my stuff will be going up on their website in the near future, and I'm very excited about that. Moving in to what I'm going to talk about now. So this is my overall take on the Super Bowl, right? So the Super Bowl turned out sort of how I figured it would. If you listen to the last episode I covered, I talk about how I told everyone to bet the under, which was not a very popular bet, by the way. Most people had the over by a long shot just because of the tear that Mahomes had been on, scoring so many points. I mean, the fact that he put up 35 points on the Titans, and then he went ahead and scored over 50 against the Texans. So people were very, you know, much in question um, about the, you know, the under not hitting. But I told you to bet the under, and um, if you listen to my other episodes, you'll know that I. That's what happened. Told you to bet it, and it worked. So, again, you can hear me gloat about all that in the last episode. But, again, so not so much scoring, more defense, uh, defensive than most figured. I'm sure, like I said before, that Damian Williams, that Damian Williams' last touchdown kind of skewed the numbers um, and made it appear more of a blowout than it actually was. It was obviously a lot closer. I mean, if you didn't watch Super Bowl, I, don't, I can't help you. This show is an NFL show. If you didn't watch Super Bowl, I don't know what to tell you. But honestly, I thought Pat Mahomes was just okay. He he was okay during the game. You know, he really shined when it mattered most in the comeback. But overall, his whole game play was just okay, right? I give it a B. But he played when like, and this is this is also a great point that I, I want to talk about. Is I I, I kind of saw this kind of floated off in the mainstream media. It's what you want franchise quarterbacks to do. Franchise guys are not always going to have the best game. They're not always going to throw six TDs in a game or score 50-some points. 
But what they're going to do, and that's why you pay franchise quarterbacks the money you do, is they're always going to give you a chance to win. And Patrick Mahomes did that to a T last, last night, Sunday night. And another thing, interesting stat here of Mahomes. Mahomes is now 3-1 and one when he trails by 10 points or more in a playoff game. And to put that in comparison, right, we think the comeback king is Tom Brady. He's 6-6 six for six in games he trails 10 or more in a postseason. So, again, obviously this is his first Super Bowl run. Um, Mahomes has gone on and gone all the way to the Super Bowl. Of course, last year he um, lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. But just that's an interesting stat to you know just let that mellow for you people out there as, we, as I continue to tell you about my uh, thoughts on the Super Bowl. I would have thought Damon Williams was more deserving of the Super Bowl MVP. Um, like I said, I thought he rushed for over 100 yards. He had some great um, play uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. But that, that wasn't where I had a bone to pick with the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan's situational football IQ in this game was not as advertised. Okay, He's supposed to be this overall offensive wizard, this whiz kid, you know, makes these you know, great schemes and uses like high level of analytics in his gameplay. Get it. Totally understand that. But his play call, calling and clock management in the game was extremely questionable. Multiple times in this game. Not just one little blunder here or there. Multiple times I was left sitting there scratching my head and it didn't make any sense. Right before the half, he doesn't call a timeout when the Chiefs are in punt formation. Okay? I don't get it. I get it to a point, but I don't. In a game where you are tied, 10-10, and you know you're getting the ball in the second half, you decide to not call a timeout there, and let it run, which, okay, I can understand to a point, and I'll explain that in a second. That allows, so him not calling the timeout allows the precious time to roll up the clock, and then, in a, in a, in a then tie ball game, in which earlier the 49ers had won the coin toss and deferred, well, they almost didn't, but that's another story. After getting the ball back with, the three timeouts, I, I believe he had three timeouts at that point. And it still saved a little less, you know, could have saved a little. Like, I think at that point there was like a minute to go in the, in the half. The Niners all of a sudden start driving down the field. But now they have little to no time to operate. So then Jimmy G throws a 45-yard bomb down the field to George Kittle that looked like a big game and would have put the chief, uh, would have put the Niners inside the Chiefs' red zone with a few seconds to go in the half. I don't have to tell you, you guys watch the game. But obviously that was where the, the OPI flag, offensive pass interference on George Kittle, right, um, which is the quote-unquote controversial call, okay? And let me just ni uh, nip that in the bud right now. That was the right call, okay? That's textbook Offensive pass interference. He turns around and pushes off and extends his arm fully. George Kittle weighs 250 pounds. Him doing that with his arm is going to affect the way the defender plays the ball. It just is. That's the right call, and I don't understand why Niners fans are all up in arms about it, but I get it. They lost the Super Bowl, whatever. But it's such a stupid argument 
that Niners fans just don't want to let die. Anyway, my whole argument on the clock management there is if you want to take the tie into the half and get the ball to start the uh, to start the third, I can 100% get that. The school of thought makes sense because you don't want to leave time on the clock just in case you go three and out and you give the ball back to Mahomes with decent field position, right? And they still had all their timeouts or, or a close to all their timeouts. Then you come out and start running hurry up and running plays, which destroys that school of thought completely. So instead of saying, let's just milk the clock, right? Let's take these plays all the way through the play clock. Let's run the ball. Let's take a knee here. Let's kill clock. You do the exact opposite of all of that. You start getting up to the line of scrimmage, running running plays quickly, putting plays down the field, putting the ball in play, taking shots. Okay? If you want to go all in and try to be ballsy there and get points before the half in a game where you're about to get the ball again to start the third and get those, you know, quote unquote double scores where you might get three points, then you come the come back in the third quarter, get the ball back and score a touchdown to make it a 10-point difference, right? You didn't do that, right? Because your school of thought said, let's just kill the clock. But then you decided to change your school of thought right in the middle. When you don't have time now, now you're up against the clock, and now you're trying to do these all quickly. So I don't like when to when you sit on the fence and you don't pick one or the other. It's mind-boggling to me. Pick one or the other, or don't. Just, just play the game. Call the timeout, right? Just play it that way, or... Play it the way you thought, but riding it in the middle of the fence makes no sense at all. Again, whatever. Maybe just a mishap, maybe just a misunderstanding on who was supposed to call the timeout or where they were going to get the ball situationally. I don't know, but that's situational football that should not be happening. Miscues in situational football that should not be happening in the Super Bowl. Then you dig into the the uh, the later game play calls. Okay, and this is where it really starts to open up, and that's really where where Kyle Shanahan starts to outcoach himself. Okay, like he lets Andy Reid outcoach him because he outcoaches himself. He just plays his own devil's advocate, and he starts doing things that don't make any sense. And you'll see what I mean here in just a second when I break this down for you. So after getting a Mahomes interception, Right, I believe this is either in the early in the fourth, late in the third, somewhere along those lines. You come out and you run the ball on first down and get five yards right off the bat. So now it is second and five, right? And you throw the ball twice. You throw it on second and second and five, which then becomes an incomplete pass. It's now third and five, and you pass it again, and it is now incomplete. Okay, you end up putting you end up punting back to Mahomes and company and giving him time because those dead balls each time had stopped the clock now twice, and it was a quick play because it was a three and out. I don't understand the play calling down the stretch, and I think everyone has the right to criticize Kyle Shanahan for these blunders that don't make any sense, and they're going to make less sense when I actually dig in to the overall statistics, and then I'm sure you people out there will be going, who who let him do this? Why did there was no ever anybody backing it up? Who who's letting these people 
you know, say what they want to say or, or, or conduct these plays that make sense because it, it doesn't make sense into the overall game scheme you had already put on paper. And by put on paper, I mean previously had. So my dad has a saying, okay, and, and it rings true in a lot of different facets of, in life, but especially football. You got to dance with the girl who brought you. 100%. Okay? You have to go with what's tried and true, what's been your identity, what you've done before. So throughout this postseason and before the Super Bowl, Jimmy G threw the ball a total of 27 times for 208 yards. Okay, let me repeat that. Throughout the entire postseason, so they played two games before they faced the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. He threw the ball a total of 27 times for 208 yards. In the Super Bowl, he threw the ball 31 times for 219 yards, literally succeeding his total on yards and pass attempts for the whole postseason in just one game. That is absolutely ludicrous. At no point in this entire game were the Chiefs ever down until it was too late. Okay, so those stats don't make sense. Because when you look at the game, at one point, they're up 20 to 10. And they still want to pass the ball more than any time else in the game, in this whole postseason. They were up 20 to 10 in the third. And you let Jimmy G throw the ball more in this game than he ever had in a postseason game prior. It doesn't make any sense. The Niners ran the ball only 22 times, despite averaging 6.4 yards a carry. In fact, the Niners averaged 1.2 yards more per play than the Chiefs. So not only were they running the ball more than the Chiefs, They were also gaining more yards per play than the Chiefs. But the real losing numbers are right here. The Niners ran 21 less plays than the Chiefs and trailed in the time of possession by over six minutes. So you averaged 6.4 yards a carry. Yet, You only ran the ball 22 times as opposed to the Chiefs running the ball 29 times. So not only in the time where you were leading 20 to 10, you ran the ball less than the Chiefs did who were down by 10 points. And when your entire identity prior to this game was that you ran the hell out of the ball and barely passed. This is the exact opposite game plan we've seen from Kyle Shanahan and company in the last two games. So it makes no sense for them to abandon the run, even when they were averaging 6.4 yards a carry, outgaining the the Chiefs by 1.2 yards per play, Yet, you do things that cripple you. You do things that make no sense. You let Jimmy G throw the ball 
It doesn't make any sense. So the Niners ran 21 less plays than the Chiefs and trailed in the time possession by over six minutes. That's huge. They ran 21 less plays in a game where they led by 10 points in the entire third quarter and still were not able to take away the biggest factor, which was time on the clock. They didn't do it because they opted to pass instead of run the ball, but they still could have ran the ball. They were running the ball better than the Chiefs were. And this is what I'm saying is the killer. It shouldn't have been. You were running the ball well on the Chiefs' defense. You took the ball out of your out of your team's best asset, your team's identity, and you placed it in the hands of Jimmy G, who in all honesty was, was in over his head because guess what? He had never thrown the ball that many times in a postseason. In one game. Like I said, this game, he basically threw the ball more than he did in two other games. Prior to. The guy threw the ball 58 times in the postseason. Mahomes threw it 112 times. Pretty much doubling, almost doubling the amount of throws. Garoppolo makes $27.5 million a year, folks. I get it. That's the role that they asked him to play. They asked him to play the game manager, the guy who doesn't turn over the ball, the guy that just makes the plays when he have to. But they didn't ask him to throw the ball 31 times in any other game in their great playoff run. So I wholeheartedly believe San Francisco needs to ask themselves, is Jimmy G really worth that contract? Because the answer is, folks, I don't know. Now, the real question there is, they're stuck with the Jimmy G co- contract. Can they find another game manager who would be cheaper? I don't know. Would Do you want to get rid of Jimmy G? I don't think he did anything in that game that necessarily lost you the game. I think you can look at that play where he threw the ball to Emmanuel Sanders and he put a little bit too much on it, and Emmanuel Sanders kind of half halfly pulled up on the route and... He had he had that he had him beat. That would have been a touchdown for sure if you would have just put the ball. And I'm sure that's one that Jimmy wants to have back 100%. But the fact is, you are paying a guy 27.5 million dollars a year who throws the ball right in a postseason 58 times. And before that, those numbers are skewed because he threw the ball 31 times in a playoff where he had before thrown the ball just 8 and 19 times. And those are the other two games. So the two games combined in the divisional ground and in the um, the NFC Championship game, combined he threw 27 times. So you're asking a guy to do something he hasn't had to do in the postseason. You're asking a guy to put the team on his back and win when you don't have to. When you're up 20 to 10, when you can run the clock, that was the biggest thing that the biggest blunder they made was not rolling clock. Roll clock, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's all you had to do. You get that first down after the interception um, or that, that first play after the interception. It go second and five, sweet, run the ball again. Run the ball again. 
Because the worst thing that happens is you don't make it, but the clock keeps going. The clock keeps running. You're either forcing them to take a timeout or you're forcing them, right, to have to let the clock roll. Those are their two options. But by not by not running the ball and by passing and it's incomplete, you've now done them a favor. And you can't keep doing them favors. They allowed them to have the time of possession and to run more plays than them. Which ultimately, if they're running more plays, is putting San Francisco's defense behind the eight ball because they're not getting a rest. They're going to be on the field. Long, long sustained drives. They're going to get tired. The offense isn't bailing them out and doing their part by at least getting a couple first downs before they get the ball back to them. It was a very badly managed game for Kyle Shanahan. And that's just the God's honest truth. You can sit there and, and say, blame it on officiating. Blame it on this, that, and the other. First of all, one, that was one of the better officiated games um, we've seen. Besides the fact that there weren't any holding calls on either side. There were no holding calls called, which is pretty ridiculous. I find that extremely hard to believe. That's the one place I will side with San Francisco, is I find it extremely hard to believe, especially because Nick Bosa was eating that left tackle's lunch all game. I find it extremely hard to believe that not one time that he, did he not hold him. There was definitely holding on Nick Bosa at least once, enough to warrant a 10-yard penalty. I don't know how. I don't know how that was not called all game. Just go ahead and watch the highlights because Nick Bosa was a one-man wrecking machine, especially against that left tackle. But again, I think what it really came down to was Kyle Shanahan, he just outsmarted himself. He played devil's advocate on himself. He almost came into that game going, they're going to know we're going to run. I say we pass more than, than we did before. Jamie to throw him off. But when you knew that the Chiefs' weakness coming into the seat to coming into this game was their inability to stop the run. They did a good job against Derrick Henry, but that was that was a weak point coming into the postseason. They had been gashed by the run before. In fact, they were gashed by Derrick Henry for over 200 yards rushing. So this is this was the issue. Going in, you had a great running attack. You have a great offensive line, and you decided to pass more. And that's why they lost, ladies and gentlemen. The proof is in the stats. All you got to do is read the box scores, and they will tell you why the 49ers lost. And I don't know if they're going to be able to make it back. I think this is a team that really, you know, you know, predicates predicates themselves on running the football. And and I think that's great, and I think it, it'll it's shown to work. But ultimately, you need a guy to make throws when it matters, and Jimmy G, right, didn't make a lot of great throws in that game. There's a lot of throws he wishes he had back, and that's why you need a franchise guy. And this brings me back to what I said about Mahomes at the beginning. You need a guy who might not play well during the game, but when the game is on the line, he gives you the best chance to win. He's the guy you want to pay $30 million a year for. And, and I'm sure Mahomes is probably going to make 40-some million dollars a year. But that's the guy I want to pay $40 million a year because he might have a bad game. He might throw two interceptions. But at the end of the day, I still want the ball in his hands. I still want him to make the shots down the field to win me a football game. And that's the difference between him and Jimmy Garoppolo. 
is Jimmy wasn't able to do it. And I don't think it's going to ever be able to do it. Jimmy is a quarterback who, who basically survives on his ability to have a good running game and to be constantly ahead. And this is the same thing I said about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a quarterback who needs to play with a lead because when you bail out on the run and you say, hey, win me a game, Lamar, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can. And he has yet to show us. And I think the same is, is about Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and it's going to come down to the front office in San Francisco say, should we pay this guy $27.5 million to be our franchise guy if he can't win us games when it matters, if we put the ball in his hands, if he can't get it down the field and make the proper reads and the proper throws. And I don't blame it all on Jimmy G, but I'm saying sometimes in your life, in the NFL, you're going to be asked to do those things as a franchise quarterback. And I don't think he can. I, I don't, it's yet to be seen, but I don't think he can because throwing 31 times was too much for him, obviously. He was 20 for 31 for 219 yards. Obviously, throwing that many times was against the original game plan, and he couldn't get it done. Anyway, folks, that's my analysis on the Super Bowl. If you don't like it, well, that's too damn bad. Anyway, so we got some more stuff we're going to talk about. Obviously, um, there's news about Tom Brady apparently uh, looking at the Raiders for his next um, you know, destination, so to speak, because he is a free agent. I'm going to do a whole breakdown on that nonsense um, later on in the week. So please stay tuned for that. Please let me know um, what you guys, uh, if there's any information you guys want to know, if you guys want to hear, you can email me, uh, therantEli at gmo.com, or you can um, at me on Twitter, at therantEli. And you can follow me on Instagram because that's important to do. Follow me on Instagram. You'll know exactly when all the new episodes come out because I post it to Instagram. And you'll know exactly when to go take a look at Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Anchor FM. And the link is there in my bio on uh, on all my social medias. So you'll be able to find the episodes. You'll know when the new ones hit. And then you'll be able to uh, share those with your friends on social media by being like, hey, the new episode dropped, cha-ching, and then, you know, send it out to your friends and whatnot. Also, I still have uh, some merchandise I'm trying to uh, find good homes for. I still have to send out a few to my uh, few friends that I knew, know that want a few. But if you want one, you can hit me up on social media and let me know. Again, a uh, huge shout-out to uh, the Jag Off Sports blog at jagoffsports.com for uh, now letting me... Uh, get my stuff up on their website. It will be up on their website um, soon um, as we move into uh, the future with that. But for now, still just find me on the regular stuff on my platforms, and I'll let you know when all that changes. So thanks again. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, for listening, and uh, stay tuned for more stuff. Remember to share the podcast, friends, families, cousins, dogs, uncles, cats, whoever. Uh, and uh, yeah, share, this, share the podcast. You know, Let me know what you guys want to hear. I'm in it for you guys. Uh, so thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you when I see you.